Carrie, this past week, weekend, you went to the CES in Las Vegas. Uh, how was your experience? It was really great. Um, you know, one of the things I think uh, I took away from it was that um, there's something called um, LBE, which is location-based entertainment. And what we're finding more and more is that, or at least from my mind, the way I see things, I just I just recently wrote an article about the emergence of um, land-based entertainment or location-based entertainment, mm. um, which is basically it's called that because um, I think there's an addition that needs to be added to esports. So there's so people are having esports tournaments, movie theaters want esports tournaments, um, casinos are looking to do esports tournaments. But I don't believe that, you know, the, just that's that alone is, is enough. Because basically what we're looking at overall is, you know, qualifiers for tournaments on, on, on amateur levels. And then yeah. people get to get to the actual venue to, you know, to play as a team, the five and five or the or the or the two and two or the one on one, whatever it is, basically, if it's a. It's if it's the FGC or if it's, you know, just like, you know, a, um, a, you know, a, uh, any, any uh, League of Legends event or, or, or anything like that. Um, so I think that what, what we're looking at is, you know, and, there, and I've heard so many people talk about this problem. That one, either they can't get the community to come out to their esports arena, mm-hmm. or they get their pe- people to come out to their community to the esports their esports arena or lounge, and they they don't stay, they just leave if they if they get disqualified in yeah. in the match, and they just walk out. There needs to be more in to keep people there, um, and that's why they're losing such revenue on it. It's because you know, you go in, you play your game. If you lose, you leave, you know, and if you're going to go up to the next round, you stay. Yeah. But most people need something else to, to keep them there. Now, obviously, the different communities are, are you know, vastly different. So if you're talking about Smashers, I don't know how much Smashers are going to interact with VR, but, you know, or AR or any kind of other experience they can imagine. But... That was my takeaway from the CES is that there is something missing when it comes to esports overall, and that is the peripheral entertainment that has to be involved. Nothing like a festival. I'm not saying it has to be a festival every time, but I'm saying it needs to be a little bit more like a Dunham, like a Dave and Buster's. Mm. So we have something else, you know, permanent games like Helix Esports, if you're listening. Permanent games in your location, some VR experiences, some AR experiences, um, and maybe even some retro games, just there so that people will will hang around a little more. They'll have a little bit more to drink. They'll have a little bit more to eat. It'll be, I think it's definitely something to, you know, just to keep people occupied if they do lose or if they're waiting for their next round, whatever it is. So I think that that's something that, you know, people need to, or at least the industry of esports needs to understand. Like, perfect example was, you know, when they had the Fortnite tournament last year in May, there were a lot of other things to do besides the actual tournament. Yeah. And not that it has to be that grand of a scale. So if you're doing a small, if you have a small lounge, 
then you have, you know, a bunch of games, maybe even some board games. But something to have people interact on a, on a different level, you know, because everyone's coming to obviously watch and participate mm-hmm. in the actual tournament. But if, you, if you're not there anymore, you know, you're there to make friends. You're there to socialize. You're there to meet people. And I think that's the that's the key that I think is that we're all missing about people coming to tournaments because we've structured them. They've been pushed into the into the marketplace as like actual like baseball games or, you know, they've been they've been following too much of the structure of conventional sports and conventional sports. There is no interaction between the people. They come and they watch a game. The game, the, the team loses. And they the leave. team leaves. Yeah, and the people leave. There's no interaction with anybody. It, but we keep talking about communities in esports. So if there's all these communities in esports, then that's what it needs to be. It needs to be still a community. So if you come and everybody's a fan of uh, Call of Duty, or everyone's a fan of uh, League of Legends, or everyone's a fan of you know Overwatch, stay, interact, socialize. There should be other things for people to do. I think you're right about that, and I think you tapped into it, especially with the retro gaming that you said. Uh, if you look at a business model like Yestercades in New Jersey, I think they have two locations. They're mm-hmm. all retro games. Well, they do have uh, newer consoles as well, but it's pay by the hour. They have tons of different games that you can play, and it caters to, me to every demographic. So let's say I'm in esports, like HyperX Arena, and people aren't coming through the doors on a normal day. It's only when they have big tournaments or anything like that. You're right. They do need something that's going to keep them there. And also, if they bring like their family or their friends who aren't competitive, of course everybody's going to want to leave immediately after. Because even if you're competitive, you lose, you get pissed off, you leave. But if your friends are having fun there outside of the competitive tournament doing whatever activity is on the outskirts, it's going to keep them there. And I think you're 100% right. It hits every note that they want to hit. But I think they're so focused with the competitive tournament format because that's what's winning mainstream within, like, you know, the bigger esports business model that these smaller land centers aren't making profit because they don't have enough to keep people there. Well, DreamHack, for a perfect example, I mean, that's, that's we're talking enormous, enormous, you know, enormous amount of people, in enorm- but people stick around. They don't just come for the tournament at DreamHack. I mean, they have tournaments, but they're not just there for the tournament. So take that and just and, and make it in, into, you know, mini size it for smaller locations and lounges and things like that. I, I wouldn't even be opposed to see a ping pong table or a pool or even people can play pool. Because people have anything. fun doing that. Exactly. Air hockey. Just air hockey, whatever. Just something that would keep people more engaged, more socializing. And I think that's that that would be, you know, a definite thing for people to do because esports is not only a game, it's not only competitive, but it's also entertainment. And I think we're losing that. And I've always said that. I've always believed that it's a very different type of atmosphere. What does that actually mean? Well, you know, I mean, if you're going to have in the future big professional esports tournaments like they did with Fortnite, although the people in Fortnite weren't all pros, they were all, most of them were amateurs and some of them were pros. But if you're going to have something like that, 
yeah, you got to have other things around it. They hit it right on the head. I, I can't say more about what Epic did at that at that event. They're really made... great at their live events because they do give a little something for everybody because that's always on their mind. They're so, like, culturally expansive. When I right. went to PAX West two years ago, they were having their summer skirmishes on the big stage. And while even I didn't care about that that much, um, I stayed and watched it because it was an awesome, awesome environment. They had beanbag chairs. They had, like, burgers that were from the game. It was just super and each fun. And, and each community is very different. I mean, mm-hmm. like with the Nintendo crowd, for example. Like when you're talking Super Smash Brothers, you know, you might actually, it might be a good idea to have a small little anime section you know where people can like watch anime cartoons or if, if maybe people are in uh, you know to into naruto or, or or anything like that there's just you know there's crossover so there's 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 you know i guarantee you that if there are people into smash they're probably also into anime yeah so you know i mean there's so much crossover that people don't tap into and like you know i know i i i run game con but but you know when you have something that's a big festival and it's a whole weekend long, just like DreamHack and stuff like that. But when you have these little tournaments that you're running at places like the Helix, you know, Helix Esports Lounges or something like that, or or the Allied Esports Lounge, it can't just be esports. You know, you want people to stick around. You want there's no pool table in in the Allied Esports place. I've been there. You've been there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no VR. There's no. It's just simply. It's you know, just high-end computers. Yeah, high-end computers to play, you know, competitively. And that's fine, but if you lose, you leave. Yeah, you're out. And what? And what's the model there? The model there is to sell food and beverage more. That's how they make their money. So why wouldn't you want to have other things for people to do so that you could sell more food and beverage? And so they'll stick around. Right. So that's, that's that, that was my takeaway, and I mean, when we do the CEC this year in June, that's going to be one of my, you know, major points of, of focus is that, you know, everyone wants to know, how do you make money in esports? How do you make money in esports? Well, the longer people stick around, the more money you make. Yeah. Or, and, you know, and that's a model that every conventional sports stadium takes, you know. You, you have a nine-inning baseball game. What are people doing? They're drinking beer. They're, 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 they're ordering hot dogs. They're getting pretzels. They're making a lot of money in the food and beverage. Yeah. Um, same thing goes for football. You know, there's a halftime for a reason. The halftime point is so that everyone gets up and buys something to eat. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the, that's the thing. And there's a halftime show. So there's other things always. So it's so funny that, you know, we're all focusing on the competitive part of esports. But if you compare it to what you see in conventional sports, everyone's missing the one thing that, you know, you have to keep it more entertaining. And I understand the run to leagues and teams and trying to build something that people will become fans of because you have to build your fan base first. But there's already a fan base there because if there's a community for Overwatch, there's a community for Overwatch. They're going to watch it online. Yes. Are they going to come to a stadium? Well, guess what? If they're going to, if there's a, a an arena that's having a professional Overwatch tournament, they might go with their friends if there's something else for them to do. Because if their team loses, what are they going to do? They're yeah. going to leave. 
Are these land centers having at least watch parties for esports, or are they just doing tournaments? Um, I guess both. Well, you mean like place like Helix? Helix had a, a had a viewing. Yeah, I mean more like um like the HyperX Arena in Las Vegas. No, they haven't been doing viewings. Yeah, I don't for, see why they, they wouldn't. Yeah, they never did viewings, and I don't know why they they wouldn't either. Um, yeah, but... at least do that if you're not going to have the other things that you just mentioned. At least have watch parties because uh, I've been to a few, and people just want to hang out and talk to each other and be friends and spend tons of money on alcohol and food. That's right. Well, you know, um, the um, the movie theaters have been doing watch parties. Well, that brings <laughs> me to um, I esports are coming to IMAX. Right. This company, Vindex Studios, is partnering with IMAX to have essentially viewings for esports. I think that's interesting. I think without another kick attached to it, people might not go because TVs are pretty big at home now. And yep. if you can access it on Twitch for free rather than going to an IMAX theater, I don't see why you wouldn't do that. So I'm <laughs> wondering how that's going to play out, and I wonder what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because, yeah, you can get pretty much everything at home. Um, but, you know, I've really heard the opposite of your of what you think because, you know. Well, that's good then. Yeah, Super League Gaming. Well, that's where well, we should have a point and counterpoint, right? <laughs> that's the whole point. Um, but um, the, the Super League Gaming is started out in theaters originally. Now they're a publicly traded company. Um, and they pretty much have no direction at all. I mean, their stock price fluctuates between a dollar fifty and three dollars. But um, you know, um, I, I, I see this as as you know, it's not anything original. Um, Vindex, which is was created by um, by the two guys that started um, the Call of Duty League before it was bought by um, by Activision or maybe Blizzard. I mean. Um, uh, you know, Sundance, Giovanni, and Sepso, I think is Mike Sepso. Um, these guys um, are people who've been very successful. Well, not so much actually when Call of Duty League was purchased uh, by um, Blizzard. They were in, um, in, in sort of dire straits. They're, they weren't really making very good uh, money at the tournaments. Call of Duty was sort of like on a decline. I see. But they, but they did get bought out um, by Blizzard, and that became Blizzard Activision. Obviously, the game, they they acquired that the whole the whole rights and the IP to Call of Duty. But um, and then along with that went the the league, the, the Call of Duty League, um, which is what Sundance and this guy Mike created. So once successful, great. Um, but then what happened was Sundance became sort of like a, an employee at Blizzard Activision, and we all know how well that company is run. So I'm sure that he wasn't very, wasn't a very happy camper. And probably once he was able to escape that um, and carry out his non-compete clause, he decided that he was going to jump into the fray again in esports with his, his friend Mike Sepso um, and then try to create another um, investment uh, pool, uh, and which is what exactly what they did. They raised $20 million for Vindex, I think it was. That's the name of the company. 
Why they picked that name, I have no idea, because it's a name that I wouldn't choose. It sounds too much like the cleaner. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't get it. It's kind of weird. But to be honest with you, um, I really think it's a play on uh, uh, a play on raising capital um, and running running uh, running out the back door. Um, so to me, it's not an original idea. Um, just because it's on a bigger screen doesn't really add anything. Doesn't help me at all. I don't. I think more people want to watch and stream tournaments from you know their laptops on their beds. You know. Um, you know. Yeah, well, that was my point. I can't understand how they're going to make that much more money off of this. I don't see it as like a huge win. I think it's fine. But I don't see it as a huge win. It's like when they play special movies at the local movie theater. It's right. great, but it's small. Yeah, I, I just don't see it as something that's a viable thing. And I'm trying to figure out, even when, when the whole announcement of the Vindex company came out with these two guys, I was thinking to myself, oh, look, they're making a play because they sold their thing out to, you know, Blizzard. And, you know, it was like, I don't know, six years ago and or five years ago, whatever it was. People don't really pay much attention to things that happen, you know, or reasons why they sold out originally or why they had to go with Activision to Blizzard yeah. because basically we're making any money, but it doesn't matter. They have a big name. They have, I mean, Sundance, everyone knows who Sundance Giovanni is. Everyone knows who's Mike Sepso. If they decide that they want to touch something, it's going to turn to gold and everyone's going to throw money at them. So... You know, there's just people in industries that get money thrown at them because of who they are and their backgrounds and, you know, what they and what they may or may have not done, whether that be success, successful or not. They, they did something. So people respect that and they earn that, you know, they earn that uh, that pedigree. And then, you know, vent, vent, you know, venture capitalists line up and dump money in their lap. Say do something, do something new and original, and that's not new do and original. Something headline worthy. Yeah, yeah, but but that's not original in my mind because it's just copying what the Super League gaming people did. So uh, it doesn't really, you know, to me, it's like a, it's like can't you think of something else? You know, like let's, you know, if you're going to be given twenty million dollars in for investment money, makes make something. You know, do something cool or do something that, you know, we can all go, oh, my God, no one's ever done that before. So, <laughs> but, I totally you know, agree. Yeah, I mean, you you did mention, I did see, you know, the article about this company called Midnight, mm. which is doing something quite original. It seems that they are. I was pretty intrigued by them. They're calling, Midnight's calling their new esports betting platform, like an entertainment platform. Which uh, is... Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know more about it than I do, but it says uh, fans can watch, analyze, and bet on their choice of top teams and individual players across esports competitively around the world, and they're expanding beyond UK where betting's legal. So I wonder if that'll come here soon. Well, you got to realize, you know, of, co of course, you know, in this country, if you want to make something legal, everybody's got to get a piece. Yeah. Politically. Anyway. Yeah. So you don't you don't just storm into a state, any state in the country and say, you know, what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up shop here and it, it's, I'm going to start taking bets on this mm. um, because um, it's for perfect example of, of, of people or a company getting burned is I don't know if you remember um, 
maybe many years ago. It was like five years, six years ago, maybe even seven years ago, eight years ago. I don't remember. <laughs> DraftKings and FanDuel um, jumped into Nevada. And, you know, people were saying, oh, this is a this is betting. This is not betting based on uh, skill. It's based on chance. There was this whole argument whether it was or wasn't. So they could do it legally because it was based on skill and not chance. And if it was based on chance, that means that it was gambling. Well, they didn't play nicely in the sandbox with the people of Nevada and the Nevada casinos and meaning the casinos there. They basically just kicked them out. Wow. And then and there were other states that followed suit and said, you can't you know, you can't have your app and your website can't work in our state. We're blocking it. Get out. Yeah. And it, and, and they had to they had to they 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 recoiled and they had to take a step back and then they had to get lawyers and other things. And, you know, then they came back and now they're stronger than ever. So with a company like Midnight, I think that they're a young company. I love their idea. I think it's so cool because when you're talking about people uh, and communities in, in, in esports and in video gaming, everybody wants to talk to one another. It's all part of being the experience online. It's all part of that social community lifestyle and talking about that game or this game. And it makes so much sense to be able to have that you know, social ability on their site and also watch the game at the same time yeah. or watch the match the same time and then talk about how you're going to bet on it which is cool i think that's great and you know with 12 billion dollars uh predicted to be wagered on esports by 2021 i think in another year or two i think that there's an enormous um pool of money that i think that you know a lot of publishers and esports people are, are avoiding only because it is betting but you know unfortunately every source of 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 entertainment and evolution of of technology and development of interaction came from something else i mean the internet wasn't created i mean the internet was created by you know uh, scientists but then the big push to create more activity on the internet was porn so you know, like you know i mean that's how we ended up where we are now where every, you can access everything you know yeah but I mean, that's unfortunately the, you know, our drive to innovate and create is our needs are what we what we want, what we are looking for. And so this fills a very big void. I think Midnight is going to be very successful. One of the more successful esport uh, betting platforms out there, um, in my opinion. That's what I think. I hope so You'll for see. them. Yeah, for sure. Cool. But I mean, we have the, then there was this, um, we talked, there's a, this North American org called Beast Coast. Mm. So that was interesting because Rivalry and Beast Coast are now uh, partnering up. Is this what, I guess it's two orgs partnering up. Is that right? Yeah. It says um, Beast Coast is going to appear on their jerseys. I didn't see anything that they'll be giving to them. I think it might just be a straight up branding partnership. It looks like that, but you know, you'll see more and more of this as you sport, you know, as years go in, that more companies will be like forming together and partnerships and things like that. Well, I think it's great that these North American organizations are getting a little less weary about partnering with anything gambling centric. Yeah, that is. It's very positive in that way. Um, 
I think that, you know, I should probably reach out to this guy, Kevin Wilmer, and see if he, Weimer anyway, who wants to, who's chief marketing officer of Rivalry, because, you know, he might want to come to the Casino Esport Conference and talk about... I don't see why about, you wouldn't. Yeah, to see if he can, you know, raise some more capital and sponsorship, because I'm sure... partnered with Corsair, which I think right. is interesting. That's a back in 2018 broadcast yeah. host. Just, yeah, there's a the lot thing. of They're just slapping their name on things. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's because they're trying to get, you know, attention from particular markets. Yeah. It's um, working, got your attention. Yeah, well, it definitely got mine. But I uh, I mean, how many other people saw that article are even going to know about it? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, we talked about, you know, when Louis Vuitton was going to advertise for yeah. League of Legends. I mean, how well did that go? I think it sank and everybody forgot about it. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well, apparently, what was the other uh, high-end brand that partnered with, what was it, League of Legends to make, like, clothing? Um, Was it Nike? I don't know. It was a luxury brand like Louis Vuitton, but I don't think it was them because they designed the case for the championship. Right, but, you know, I mean, you've had other bigger sponsors, which are now totally, some are jumping, some are still going forward, and some are, like, backing away. Like, I think, you know, we had, I think Toyota was a a big sponsor, and Mercedes-Benz was a big sponsor, but now that you're seeing that, I don't know if you're going to see that in in the next year or so. I'll be very surprised if you do, although I did find out, I did hear that the, the Army now, is pulling their advertising out of the Super Bowl and putting it into esports. Uh, I think we might have talked about that, or I just read it. I can't remember at this point, but yes, I thought that was huge. I thought that was incredibly interesting because they've already created their own, uh, I think, either esports organization or esports like league. They right. have something to do with esports, but yes, they are pulling all of their traditional sports uh, advertisement dollars into esports, and I think that's very interesting because they know that that's what the younger generation is looking at, and especially gun game players. Like yeah. they should sponsor the Call of Duty League. Done. I mean, yeah, I mean, duh. That's like a no-brainer. That would make total sense. So, you know, but here, here again, you know, here we are again. I, it might happen. You know, if if Blizzard Activision actually becomes like a a normally functioning company. They would be the first ones I would, you know, if they, I would be so happy to see that because then I would think, okay, then there are people that are actually, you know, not smoking weed at Blizzard Activision and they are (laughs) really aware that they could actually capture a really good market and get a really good, you know, uh, sponsor for the Call of Duty League. It makes perfect sense to me, you know, but, you know, then again, a lot of things have made perfect sense. In the past, and you know, Blizzard Activision just you know didn't do it. So who knows? <laughs> you know, we don't know. That's a crapshoot. There, we have no idea what they're thinking. Which is to see what plays out within the next year. Right. Yeah, I don't know what they're but, doing either. So that brings us to this article about Luckbox, and um, you know, I mean, you know, this this company. It's funny because they're talking. You know, it's all about you know um, cryptocurrencies. Mm. And I, I'm very for cryptocurrencies. I mean, the only reason I love that idea for video gaming and esports is you, it's so trackable. So trackable. I mean, and, 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 you know, with, with, with the blockchain and the ledger and all of that, you're talking about actual understanding and knowing who's betting on that, 
you know what the, you know and everything is pre you know predetermined so like you can't you can't fluff you, it yeah you can't fluff you can't use your coin um to bet on a game or even enter into like a peer a peer to peer betting site um, if it, if it, if it's restricted of a certain age because you know only you can unlock your Bitcoin yeah. unless unless some twelve year old steals your you know your login and password to your wallet then you're screwed but I yeah. mean I mean I mean it's obviously it's never nothing's ever perfect but you know. You know, having having wallets that belong to people that are older um, really opens the door for companies like Luckbox because that makes perfect sense for them. It it, it reduces their um, what do you call it? It reduces their uh, exposure to lawsuits and other things like that. Um, and they can they can keep everyone honest with 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 crypto. Yeah, it's definitely how I see that. I mean, it makes perfect sense, but. You know, as as things getting more and more, um, you know, I mean, you talk about, I mean, the, in your other articles about like, is cryptocurrency going to be, or will gamers be using it? I I think they're already using it. I know that they're already using it. It's, it's obviously not so mainstream still because I think a lot of people just don't understand it, but. I have some t- statistics here. It says that 56% of cryptocurrency users are aged between 26 and 45, which is essentially the age of the esports demographic. That is 18 to 35, so it's just 10 years apart. Right. Uh, and that's who these businesses need to cater to, is that demographic and younger. But I think it just it does make sense long term. I think people are scared of it, just like anything else. But I do see it becoming more and more popular i would say over the next decade i don't know if in 2020 but yeah i mean i saw i saw that i saw that same quote and i took it and i posted it on my linkedin page because i you know i have such a difficult job trying to convince the people in the casino world and the gambling world that esports is not for 12 year olds because they're believe it or not there's still some people that believe that um, and they just, you know, they don't get it. They don't get it at all. And, you know, we're, we're really moving into another age and another time where a slot machine isn't, isn't, you know, you can leave that on the floor, but a lot of people aren't playing it. And, you know, the problem with what I was just, I had a conference call earlier today. The problem with the casino market, we're just talking brick and mortar to start with, is that they're so focused on. How much am I making per square foot on my location? So they're they're not even casinos anymore. They're they're like they're they're just malls with having to have machines in them that you know if you put money in you lose and they make the money. Yeah. But it, it's it's they're malls renting out floor space, and that that mentality that whole business model changed when they took out the guys that were there uh, and worked with the mob who basically let people come in and basically had a good time. They didn't worry about their floor space and then hired all the Harvard MBAs after these, after these guys retired and all the Harvard MBAs were like, okay, we have to make X amount of dollars per square foot of every floor, every inch of this building. And look, you know, honestly, I said this to my business partner, Benji, I said, people go to casinos now. They don't have any fun anymore. 
Yeah, I would say it's mostly for the club party aspect. Yeah, but even even that isn't the, the club party aspect. Even people aren't. You know, how often are people going to the club party aspect? It's not even something that's that popular anymore. Yeah. Because people are tired of the party aspect. You can't even hear the person you're talking to. There's no way to, like, even meet anybody there because you can't hear the person next to you because the music's so loud. Yeah, it's my own personal gripe as well. Uh, Even though I'm considered young and 27, I hate being out somewhere where the music is blazing loud because, you, like you just said, you can't talk to anybody. The atmosphere just isn't suitable anymore, especially with, like, online dating. You don't have to go out to meet people anymore. Yeah, so but you're gonna go somewhere. Thing. You're gonna go here's somewhere else. Yeah, but here's the thing about online dating, and this is an interesting thing. So you you do meet somebody online, but you gotta meet up in person somewhere. I think most people go to like coffee shops and bars, but like maybe like more low key, they wouldn't go to a club. Maybe yeah, they would. But what, if, but what if you what if you had sort of like I don't know uh, a more um, developed uh, 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 Dave and Buster's at like a casino? I think that would kill. Sure. What? Because so it's you would have, something that have, people can engage in, make exactly. conversation, and it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. They can win money. I mean, think about this. Full think circle. Yeah, think about you have your bar, you have your food, like a Dave & Buster's, and you have all your games, and you have multiplayer games, player and player, and you know, if, if you want to just play a game against yourself, maybe you can win a prize, like a free night at the hotel. Or if you want to play against somebody else, you're playing for money. Yeah. So there's, or you win a free drink or something. They can give away drinks. Like, you know, I mean, how much? Which they do anyway on the casino floor if you sit at a slot machine. Exactly. Might as well have people spend money to win it. Exactly. That makes makes sense. sense. I mean, geez, you know, come on. I'm I'm so brilliant. I should. I I, I think I'm going to open my own casino. I think you have to. I don't know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. I I think that you know we honestly see I th- I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of changes. Um, it's going to be we're going to have a lot more going on in the in the esports world uh, in the casino world when it comes to stuff like this. I mean I'm really introducing a lot of this uh, a lot of the concepts behind um, you know what we talked about earlier, which was the peripheral around esports. So that the casinos not only need to incorporate esport tournaments, but they also need that periphery. They need what, you know, the the um, the LBE, the location-based entertainment, and it ha- and it can be so much better. I mean, I saw a game uh, at CES. Uh, have you ever heard of a company called Sandbox VR? I want to say yes. Okay, because they, they're in San Francisco. They're based in San Francisco, and they've made something called the UFL, which is the United Fighting League or something like that. And it's kind of like if you watch this VR game. Ah, it's I'm on their website. Yeah, it's literally like uh, uh, it's like Street Fighter, but it's VR. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, people would play that so much. I, I could see people uh, of the tw- in, the, in their 20s betting against one another of who's going to beat who. I 100% agree with that. Now, that would be so dope. And I think people would totally play that. So there's a lot there's a lot that's down that's coming down the pike. I have the job unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, of trying to convince the casino industry that one people are just not having fun anymore there. So let's make it fun. 
and that's that's a that's a, that's a that's a big thing to do. So if there are any casino people out there that are listening to our podcast, which I hope there are, you really got to consider that. You have to think about that. Not to say you shouldn't make money. Everyone should make money, but there it, we have to make it fun again. That's why people aren't coming because it, it's just not fun. When you have to when you have to park your car and you're you're fleeced for like twelve dollars or twenty dollars to park, and then you walk in and you're and you you get you have you go to a bar bars and you buy a drink, drinks like twenty bucks. Yeah, it's insane. Unless you're sitting in a slot machine and you're getting free free drinks, but nobody wants to play slot machine. Yeah, no. Stop I'd, r- I'd rather drink. I'd rather stop pay for my drink. Yeah, stop giving away away the drinks for free and let people play to win free ones. That's smart. So they pay to play if they're playing again by themselves, and then they get a free drink. There you go. You're making money now. Makes sense. It really does. Yeah. Anyway, Jen, until what we got two weeks now, um, but uh, I appreciate you, of course, as always, as being always. a anchor, and it's very enjoyable to talk about these things. I know we can go all night, but I got to get some sleep. I'm exhausted. All right. You enjoy your <laughs> night. Thank you, everybody listening. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs>